It's no secret that most change efforts fail. Uh, something like 70% of change efforts inside institutions, organizations, and companies typically falls far short of the mark. And that's the heart of today's conversation. We're going to continue to explore the competencies of OD practitioners as defined by ODN. Uh, and our first one is system change expert. And I would argue of the five competencies, this is perhaps the most important and also where OD makes its impact most significantly inside an organization. So Joyce and I, uh, we'll talk about our successes, we'll talk about our failures and flops, and the lessons that we've learned along the way. And I think there's some nuggets to be teased out of today's conversation where OD needs to play uh, a much more significant role in leading change with leaders within an organization. So come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Hey, everybody, come on in and don't bring a snack because we should all be on New Year's diet. So leave your snacks by the door. <laughs> Gosh, you know, when is Valentine's Day coming? Because that's the one where we release our commitment to all those resolutions. Oh, thank I God. never knew that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank God it's only three weeks away. I cannot tell you how many chocolates I can eat when I get a box that's a variety because I go searching for maple nut. Oh. I and and um and then ah and I will not eat raspberry cream. Just will not. Caramel is fine, but there's one by C's, which is a chocolate company in California that has yeah. burnt burnt sugar. Oh Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've well, learned to cut them, and cut them in half when I look instead of thinking I have so, to take a so, bite. So since we're promoting everyone but ourselves, uh, yeah. I'll add to it. Tony's Chocolate from Whole Foods, uh, their uh, salted uh, almond is to die for. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as good as any Belgium chocolate that I've ever had. And uh, they're uh, socially conscious because they don't uh, buy from uh, slave trade um, organizations that, that produce cocoa beans. So I do good when I eat a piece of Tony's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Whole Foods, check it out. <laughs> okay, well, Joyce, uh, we can talk not about that, this. Not that they're competitors to our no. former brands, but that's okay. <laughs> Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing today? We have committed to uh, digging in a little to the ODN network uh, global model for organizational development. That's a mouthful. And the good thing about it, and I encourage every OD practitioner, internal, external, to have a copy, because what it does is it makes the work that you do visible, concrete. I know I, I did that at, at Hannaford Brothers when I took all the work that we had done and I placed it under this whole system, team, individual, and all the things that we did. And it really made the invisible visible because I've always said to many of the people I work with, when we're invisible, 
we've done a great job, which is why we need to get together with somebody to say, do you know what we just did? (laughs) It was magnificent. So anyhow, I encourage people to look at the ODN network global organizational development, discipline, model, whatever. So we're going to take each of the five capacities and uh, talk about where we've had experience with that and where we have lessons we'd like to share or, you know, just dig into it to make it real from our point of view. And some we may not have had as much experience with. So the first one is uh, systems change expert. I just never feel like an expert. Mm. I'm experienced. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) we won't go into my low (laughs) self-esteem. And under that, we have systems change leader, culture builder, and innovator. So, Bob, under systems change leader, what kind of work have you done? Oh, so... Yeah, um... If, if by I the way, about, we were lucky to get to do systems change work. Many well, OD people are held down to um, more circumscribed work. Can I tell you that? I, thanks for saying that because uh, before I go into my own experience, I, I find both HROD, you can spend so much of your time putting out fires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and what I have found is, is that those things that are really the highest uh, impact, uh, making a change for the future, uh, getting ahead of the problems is something that sometimes in some organizations, HROD people don't get to do. Yeah. So th- this one, to me, if I were to give a hierarchy of these competencies, this one to me is performing at the highest level. And I think the others are supportive mm-hmm. of, uh, of this. So at any rate, uh, my own experience, it, it was as an operator, Joyce, and I've told this story before, when I took over a division that was uh, not only struggling, but dying in terms of sales and profitability, and was pretty much being dismissed as ultimately, we'll, we'll, we aren't going to invest and we'll get rid of these stores. And <clears throat> I didn't go out as a leader looking at changing systems, but very quickly I realized in listening to, uh, you know, people at all levels, meat managers, produce managers, store managers, DMs, that we needed to change some of the ways and some of the processes. And what was really impactful is giving people permission uh, to make changes uh, that they ultimately helped design and implement uh, was a game changer for that division. I mean, it's still going today at Foodline, and this was some 12, 13 years ago. Uh, and there's more of a, and, and I needed HROD um, to, to support and help make that happen. Most often, uh, because we came out of kind of a, 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 a top-down uh, organizational mm-hmm. We tell you what to do. We tell you where to put things. Uh, my OD partners helped soften the organization to be open and not resist some of the things that we did. Um, and what I like about that example, it had a real organizational impact and more importantly, a, a strong impact 
on people's lives. Um, so my learning from that, uh, uh, God, there's so many, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to give you the top three. Um, one is um, the word expert assumes you have to have the answer. So number one, uh, take that uh, burden off uh, and, and open up your ears and listen and empower others to get, to give voice to whatever the change is. Um, I think the second uh, big takeaway, and I'll stop here, is, is sometimes we get very tactical about what's the solution to this problem. You know, an example in supermarkets like, oh, yeah, of course, we're not doing what we need to in sales. We need hotter prices on our weekly ad. Mm -hmm. uh, that default mentality uh, almost always misses the mark. Mm -hmm. uh, so taking stepping back and looking at it organizationally, how do we hire? How do we train? How do we reward? Uh, how do we buy these products? What is our criteria? How do we process things? How do we listen to our customer? It's really those kind of big, uh, you know, you you think maybe uh, a little bit too theoretical or uh, those are ultimately where our thinking needs to go uh, as a, a system change leader, kind of get out of the muck. How about you, Joyce? Do you have- <laughs> I was too entranced. I was too entranced by your story. Um, I was lucky enough to bump into the need for large system change with a CEO and an HR VP who were supportive because it was demanded. So um, certainly one, and you were part of this, was creating, oh, there was a new CEO. So a system-wide approach to introducing him as CEO, as well as to in, introduce a new direction, new vision for the organization. And we did that by, by inviting, what, 350 store managers to how many meetings? Every oh, district. Gosh. Yes, touched and, almost everyone. Yeah, and did town meetings. And I, uh, and I think the empowering part, one of the things that was unique about it is we didn't bring in outside facilitators to help do that. And we didn't go in with an already locked and loaded vision. We went in with a rough draft that came from the top group. And we have the store managers. And this, I really love this part. Uh, I said, let's have the store managers facilitate the tables, not mm. HR not HR, not OD, not outsiders. And everybody said, well, they don't know how to do that. And I said, oh, come on, they know how to have guests into their home. And I said, let's call it, they're going to host a table. And okay. I, I would meet with them an hour before the event and go through some principles. And they, you could just see them take on that role and love it. Yeah. And they did a great, great job. So, but that was... Uh, definitely a system-wide shift and it energized the organization tremendously and helped the new CEO get set. Yeah. Um, Boy, there are so many learnings or takeaways there. Why don't you, uh, and may, it may bear repeating because you've already given a few. But well, and it fits under other categories, obviously, because one of the energy generating tools we used was guided imagery. Mm. about the future to get visualization going image going because from image becomes action and um 
honestly, without a very, very adventuresome and oriented to learning CEO and HR person, we couldn't have done that. And he, he, uh, we did try it out first because he was a little hesitant. So here's another part of that is to do a little teeny weeny pilot. That always helps sell an yes. idea. So I brought in um, store and associates to do a guided imagery and the CEO saw how energizing it was. So that's why we, he didn't go from, oh, that's an idea to let's do it with 3,500 yeah. people. You know, the, the, what I think is true in both of ours and clearly uh, in what you were sharing, if I'm a new CEO, ultimately you can say, you know, I'm, I'm going to make changes over time where, you know, mm -hmm. my vision comes to light. What you did and what I did, they were accelerators. Yes. Uh, meaning, you know, it's like you can demarcate before and after because it had a profound impact and, and really started a lot of positive things happening um, that ultimately I think are, you know, not that it's true today, but the organization clearly grew exponentially uh, uh, following those uh, interventions. Yeah, and I think we were lucky enough to be pulled in yeah. to system changes. So I'm trying to think um, when we shift how we measured things from the back door through to the front door, was that? Yeah. I don't remember what the process was called. Yeah, but that was that was Ferber's. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I forget what the acronym was. That's but, what yeah, I it's, do. Yeah. it's the true cost and profitability of a single item. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Um, so working on you know implementing that, we also worked on new store formats. We also worked on taking a warehouse, learning from it, and then creating, so taking a, an in-place warehouse, having all the people in the warehouse participate on how they would love the warehouse work to be, and implemented that in a uh, green site, uh, which became a world-class a warehouse for people to come visit. So I can't think, I mean, I, I can come up with other examples, but we were lucky to be, yeah. first of all, to work with CEOs who were understood you have to be in change all the time. And another large, really big one that I helped support was acquisition. Yeah. Uh, and I worked with the very top, top teams to do kind of cultural, not due diligence, but cultural um, blind spots of one another that had to be worked out over a couple of years. But um, that that was high impact whole system yeah. work. What's interesting, what you just said, you know, whether it's uh, an acquisition, an integration, a merger, uh, you talk about the system change is being forced uh, on every organization that's a part of it. The question is, how do we bring this together so the synergies that the uh, financial people uh, said would come out of this change uh, comes to fruition? And, and if you think about a place where OD can play as a systems change leader, uh, I think more than three quarters of uh, acquisitions and mergers yeah. literally fall, fail. They fall short yeah. of the mark or 
fast. So yeah, clearly uh, a place to play. And, and even uh, when you're playing at a large system level, and I, I, gee, I don't remember, but I certainly was at work in those synergy groups. Yeah. Um, when you are feeling invaded or bought or used or whatever, the, the type of plastic bag you buy can become a big item <laughs> and because it's carrying all the resistance and irritation and you can place it on one object. And I'm telling you, when we finally got agreement on the plastic bags and where to buy and whether to have it be a worldwide purchase or whether cans were dropping out of customers' bags was huge. So yeah. um, don't get grandiose when you're thinking about large system change. <laughs> Plastic bags. So uh, with that, I think it's time to move on to Culture Builder. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go? Well, I'd, I'd like to just say, what does that mean? In the sense that it's like there's a hidden sense of what the culture should be. Um, from an HROD point of view. And, and I think there is. There are certain principles like we just have talked about. A high involvement of people solving their own problems. Um, pride in the work, allowing people to do work that they're proud of, designing it so that that's true. Um, high uh, respect for leaders, especially managers or self-managed groups, but keep giving. And it's one of the reasons we're in this podcast is we believe in small d democracy and it gets taught in the workplace frequently and has spillover. But I, I work with an organization where the culture has to be hard hitting. That's part of it. We're going to hit hard and we're going to say bad things. That's just who we are. So to, to support that culture, because I couldn't change it, I said, then people need to know how to say, ouch, and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So you need to teach. Your training is how do I say ouch and how do I say I'm sorry? So I'm just saying there's no one culture. There are principles of a culture. And you and I both did a ton of work on, um, well, you and I did cross company work globally yeah. on different cultures. Yeah, I, I'd like to give a flop uh, here uh, <laughs> uh, or a, ha a hack, a hack. And, and this is really uh, not working inside a company um, where I, my perception was that this organization had a great opportunity to own their market, but they had to shift the culture of the company. Mm. Uh, and one that, you know, creates a high expectation for performance, uh, one where uh, people at the lowest level uh, ultimately control their, their space, that everyone has a voice. And uh, we would do these annual surveys about where people were and their satisfaction. And one of the biggest flops that I look back and say, boy, I really missed an opportunity, is w we always took the hard things, meaning the concrete and specific uh -huh. things that came out of those conversations. And so we made like, okay, we're going to have job descriptions at every level, or we're going to take a, re we're going to review yeah. the comp system. And I'm not saying those aren't things you shouldn't look at, but we never looked at it uh, from what is our culture and what are the forces for and against, um, you know, where we want to yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, and so I, that's one where I look at it and say, ouch. 
Um, where So I have to balance it with where I think we got it right, and that's at Food Lion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Food Lion, uh, we, we all knew that our culture needed to shift, but it was such a porous, vague concept that it was hard for even us in OD to get our arms around. Uh, and then we used uh, a structure similar to this competency framework uh, using a company called Human Synergistics that had an assessment that took a system-wide uh, assessment of where the culture was in terms of forces for and against. And not to give them a plug, but it made it real. Mm, uh, it concrete. made it concrete and language that anyone can understand. And there were all, already a lot of forces in terms of having the culture shift in the way that you described uh, a moment ago. But I found that that, that really made it real and, and actionable. And I supported that work yeah. in this way. With the um, top group at first, we did a search conference. And I do want to plug doing a search conference. So look up search conference, Weissboard or Merrill Emery, either one. Uh, Merrill Emery did it in Australia, and her, her approach is academic, and uh, Weissboards is very practical. But um, in that process, you look at an organization for historical points of pride and points of disappointment and um, sort of get slivers of pain or shame out of the organization uh, and bring them up for discussion. And that was a three-day with the top 10 leaders. And then with the OD person that reported to you, John Vegas, plug, 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 we took that same approach to 150. And... That was a great, almost therapeutic intervention for clearing out the past and getting ready for the future. There, so, you know, there, there, well, we need to get the innovator, uh, but if there's, I think, a great metaphor for this whole notion of culture. And the metaphor is uh, a stream that has areas of calm and has some white water. And uh, if you take a branch, and throw it in that stream, it's going to follow the energy of the currents. And it's, you know, whether it be getting stuck in the ebbies or going through the uh, uh, white water. And the whole notion is that that stick is doing its own thing. And, uh, and culture, if left unattended, uh, not always for negative or, or for good, right. it, it's going to follow the flow. And, and so not in a manipulative way, being aware of where that branch in the water is and how it's working for or against the company uh, is one that all of us in HROD need to be attentive to and in leadership for that matter, obviously. Yeah. And I'm thinking of that twig being stuck. Oh yeah. The boulder of old fashioned ideas while the stream COVID pandemic, no uh, working at home, no more land, you know, no more buildings uh, is streaming by. Yeah, it's like being in that eddy where you just go around yeah. in a circle in a yeah. circle. So, yeah. any rate, how about innovator? innovator? I don't have innovator. anything to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my takeaway here, uh, and then I'm going to ask you for an example. Innovation uh, is is to me the ability of an organization 
to learn from its experience or to be attentive to what is happening and then unleashing the creativity, uh, you know, and, and eliminating the barriers that ultimately would get in the way of making progress. Um, to me, that's uh, the innovator. And, and uh, th there are aspects of culture builder and system change expert here, but uh, um, that's to me what I take away from innovator and taking a leadership role in creating that learning organization. What do you see, Joyce? Oh, Bob, I was an irritating innovator. Yes, you were. <laughs> so, you know, if people saw me coming and I said, hey, I've got an idea I want to talk to you about, they'd go, uh, I'm just heading into a meeting. <laughs> Can we get together like next month? That's not true. Um, <clears throat> there is a part of innovation that has to do with coming up with novel ideas. Yeah. And I did. And I, I yeah. I, I'm honest to goodness, right now I go, what were they? But I mean, everything from creating, remember the learning organization intervention I did? Oh, oh yeah. From all countries together to design what a learning organization could do and be. Um, so I personally probably couldn't innovate an outside as an outside OD person as much as I did internally because I did have a good sniffer for opportunity. Yeah. And I was was able to sell ideas, I think. I must have been. But I do remember going to Rafael Moises, who was part of the Alpha Beta in Greece. <laughs> With my model of a learning organization, he said, Joyce, 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 you always create the Taj Mahal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a good double wide would more than suffice. Right. So, so one thing that... Uh, you should have been just, here. This is very elegant. Now take just this one piece and develop it. <laughs> well, th that example um, is one where I think one of the things that get away in uh, we and OD really becoming the change agents and the innovators is we ask the question, how open is this organization to yeah. whatever it is and then how ready they are. Yeah. And in the examples you gave, I don't think you would have had a positive on either one, that there was always going to be resistance. Um, we did it. Yeah, we did it. That's right. Well, somehow, and I ended up presenting to the board, but I do have to say, too, when you're doing innovation, one of the reasons the board and the head of the board didn't care for me, <laughs> he was very lovely um, yeah. man, and we, and we gained respect for one another. But one of the reasons was before I went into the learning organization, I honored the fact that delays the company had always innovated had always been searching for new ideas, had always explored. And it's true. And for some reason, right before my presentation, I read this history of delays and could underline that because I wanted to go in showing that we're building on what's yep. already. So that frequently softens the system. That's my hint. You're not going in going, ah, you stupid people. Here's what <laughs> 
to be done. Well, will you ever learn? That in your life. <laughs> no. You know, Joyce, you were um, a, a great um, internal stimulator of new thinking or agitator, uh, uh, whatever term you want to use. One example that, that we did at Foodline, and actually it was our CEO, he felt that we as an organization are, were stuck in a rear view mirror perspective of the industry and our place in it. And what he did over a couple of years is introduce uh, to the organization, actually brought him in on a couple of occasions, Bob Johansson, who uh, runs the Institute of the Future. And, and he, he would say, look, I don't, I don't uh, forecast the future, but I talk about the conditions. And he became an external uh, agitator that shook our thinking about how we saw ourselves and more importantly, how we sold the external market. Because the world was telling us at the time, guess what? Walmart's not your competition. They're a department store. And then within three years, they were the largest food retailer in the world. So, you know, I think there's you as an internal agitator, but sometimes you need to shape the thinking. Um, yeah. And, and, as well. and also you gave two examples of bringing in external, which was the exact fit for what the organization had decided it needed. Yes. So another time we can talk about the use of externals, but if you're bringing somebody in going, oh, just kind of help, it, it no. doesn't you know, um, No. No. What problem, what problem are we solving here, and what is the unique solution that this intervention will have? So, Joyce, we're out of time. Well, I just uh, want to say, I'm, I want to say that in 1990, I went all over Hannaford trying to talk about home delivery. <laughs> Because I, I don't want to shop, and I, I I tried to promote bagged um, bags of meals all ready to cook, so that you got to pretend you were actually cooking, but you didn't have to buy, and it was mostly done. And now look, okay, I want to say I predicted <laughs> delivery of meals. Bob Johansson meets Joyce Wilson Sanford. Yeah. So we're we're going to talk about efficient designer next time. And hopefully uh, if you got something from this conversation and hopefully you had uh, stay tuned and join us uh, next week. Let us know it. We want to know we're not just talking to one another. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today as Joyce and I continue to explore what I call the job description of being an OD practitioner. And we covered our first one today, System Change Expert. And next time, we're going to be talking about Efficient Designer, which gets into perhaps the more grittier aspects of what OD practitioners do. So let us know what you think of uh, this topic. Uh, if you have a topic that you would suggest that we uh, contemplate, please email me at bob at liveoakcoach, O-A-K-C-O-A-C-H. Dot com. Until next time, be well.